I want it to just I want it to be there. I don't even know if it's there. <laughs> That's how I feel about God sometimes. Welcome to our podcast. Hey. <laughs> what is up, everyone? My name is Derek Chilton, and I am so happy to welcome every listener to this, our first episode of Theo Bourbon, where I get together with my friends to sip on various types of bourbons and whiskeys and all those types of things. So um, what we will also be discussing things ranging from church history and theology to what it means to be a minister and just all the things we feel like talking about. Um, Yeah, fun stuff. Fun (laughs) stuff, yes. So uh, basically my friends and I are just going to be hitting a bunch of different topics um, and we mostly hope that this is just enjoyable and a helpful podcast for those who like to talk about Jesus and all the different ways that we see him and also like enjoying glasses of the nectar of the gods, <laughs> which is Kentucky bourbon. But in this case, Tom doesn't have any, so he's going to be drinking some Irish whiskey, which is okay. So It's like Jameson, but like the cheap one that's not Jameson. <laughs> it's like we couldn't afford Jameson when we went to the store, so we got this instead. So it's Jameson. Essentially, kind of. <laughs> all right, well... That being said, um, we are joined by my very good friend, Tom, the Italian stress eater, Mangione. Hello. <laughs> and his beautiful bride to be, Megan. We love she Megan. Just, I think Thank she you. just blushed. But, I did, uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so, for having me. <laughs> yeah, we're excited about all of this. So um, basically, what I wanted to do today, as it is probably good timing for such a conversation as this, which it's a conversation that a lot of people are having, but um, is really just kind of on this awful scale of just teetering from faithful to unfaithful, which is a lot of discussions right now. Like you're not faithful if you don't do this, or you are faithful if you don't do this and all this other stuff. And so what we're going to be talking about is this hellish pandemic that we're uh, yeah. Like experiencing right now and what it means to be faithful in the midst of this, um, but also what it means to more so like remain faithful because there's a lot of different things that there's no right answer, I think, Um, but there's always the loving answer, which is always the right answer, but like there's also an element to like how do you love people well during this and a lot of people can see hmm. an unloving thing as faithful, but a loving thing is unfaithful. Yeah. So um, I think that's kind of what we want to unpack today, especially like in terms of um, me and you, both Tom as, as ministers, yeah. trying to figure out what the hell to do. <laughs> you know? So um, it. we're going to edit because Miranda's calling me. So give me just a second. Hey. Welcome to your ASMR sponge bath. <laughs> I am now sponging your shoulders. You can feel the warm water pouring down your back. Sponging and sponging and sponging. Are you giving other girls sponge baths? No. <laughs> Only elderly gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, God, that's worse. If you're, if you're a woman, <laughs> just tune out now. <laughs> um... Oh, she even car pumps. Mm-hmm. I can also jump in as a 
scientist. Yeah, you're also. While uh, Derek is predisposed, it's worth knowing that Megan knows science. <laughs> is currently disposed. <laughs> he, he has a he has a predisposition to uh, oh not being here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying something, Megan. I would have not even noticed that I said that. <laughs> you got to keep it now. <laughs> Oh, this is certainly part of the podcast now. Um, yeah, I'm a biomedical scientist. I'm finishing my master's degree right now in medical sciences. So, and I'm a Catholic. <laughs> so I don't know what she, I'm she's doing a scientist here. Catholic. Mm-hmm. Man, like a few hundred years ago, they would have hated her. Now they, they still do. I thought that was going one direction, and then it didn't go in that direction. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, essentially, um, what we're going to do today, is I've already said a million times, but um, I've forgotten to include the bourbon that I am swigging a little bit. Um, it is called Old Granddad, and it is from... The wonderful land of Frankfort, Kentucky. It is um, produced by the Jim Beam Company. And it's just magical. Tom, you've had some before. I almost threw up. You did almost throw up. <laughs> but, but I didn't. What's funny what an endorsement. is that you had the 80 proof, which is, <laughs> you know, the bitch proof. And I know. I know. <laughs> and then what I'm sipping right now is the 114 proof, which is the only old granddad that you should drink. I got my dad some of that for Christmas. Nice. The 114. Oh, yeah. Good. It's just, it's just good. Like, that's all I can say about it. It's just fantastic. So, for those of you listening, if you ever want to start drinking bourbon, definitely do not start with <laughs> 114 proof old granddad, <laughs> because it will probably put you on your butt pretty quick. But, uh, anyway... That being said, let's move into what our topic of discussion is going to be, which is, Tom, what the hell do we do? Man, that's, uh, <laughs> what do we do? I mean, I guess my, my thought always goes back to, I mean, what did Jesus say? What were, what were the two most important things? Loving God and loving people. And I think about how, and um, I wish I had a source for this, but I do not. And I just kind of pull this out of my butt whenever I want to make a point. Um, as but we when, do, but as ministers. Yeah, as we often do. <laughs> as every minister does. Uh, but, you know, this is definitely worth Googling. But when uh, early monastics were asked, so uh, how do we love God? We know how to love people, so how do we love God? And they said, well, you love people. And that's how you show yeah. that you love God. And um, I think that that shows that that humanitarian aspect, that how can we actually act in a way that is loving to people? I think that... That's the way that we respond. I don't know if there's any other conceivable way to respond other than how can we just be good to uh, the people around us, whether they're in the congregation that we're leading or just the people who are our neighbors, both uh, close by and far away. Right, right. And, you know, it's what Jesus said, what you do to people you do to me. And, you know, that does have like a spiritual concept to it, like what you do to others around you, especially us who we're not physically with Jesus um, now that, you know, he is in spirit and obviously he is still human and everything, but that's a conversation for another day. But um, 
you know, just thinking about what we do physically and what we, the actions that we have towards people right now, um, is us loving God that is within people and loving Jesus that is within people. And so, um, you know, that brings up a really good point of just, it's not about the church service. And I think that's That's one of the big things that, um, we're seeing right now, like whether people want to think it or not, or want to believe it or not, if you put your church above the people of the church, then you're not being faithful to what the church is supposed to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially in the West uh, and especially in Protestant circles, the church has just become so programming based. Mm -hmm. And I think about how one of my titles is programming and I make sure the programming is all good and all right uh, for our service that I think it's, it says a lot when we get to a crisis where meeting has become dangerous and people are wondering, okay, so what does the church even do anymore? Right. Which is worrisome. And I'm sure the church fathers would be tearing their hair <laughs> out right now because it's like, oh, no, you just be the church. Like, I think right. about um, one that I'm thrilled about and I, I think is awesome, Church of the Highlands mm-hmm. in um, Alabama. They turned their uh, main campus into a testing site. For COVID nineteen, and they did, and they just brought in a bunch of medical personnel, and they had some of their own volunteers um, as just people who were helping them out, and they tested over a thousand people yesterday, wow. just in one day. They tested over a thousand people, and uh, they're a, they're a church that has lots and lo- they're very programming based, mm-hmm. but their ability to kind of pivot into actually being what's needed in the moment to love people. I think that's, that's encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they, they've just done an incredible job of being what the church is supposed to be as being um, just a place that is focused solely and squarely on loving people. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I, I didn't even know that. I had no idea that, um, that there was churches doing that specific thing and yeah you know, they got written up in the washington post for it oh wow yeah okay. good stuff i literally don't pay attention to any news outlets at all but um <laughs> which is a blessing and a curse unfortunately but um yeah that's really good and and you know i wonder what that means because you were saying that it is a very programmed church and when we say that we don't say that in like a negative light at all but um just a, a sense of they have resources. Um, I guess is a is a better way of saying that they're they have a lot of resources as far as like the contemporary church is concerned. Um, so what about the churches that don't have those resources? That don't have maybe it's like a smaller community or a community that hmm. um, you know is really what they what they do what they um, their kind of function in their community is that haven on Sunday mornings for people. You know, I think about churches out in like Eastern Kentucky um, where a predominant amount of their ministry is not reaching the masses, but it's reaching their community right within where they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so for a church like that, like let's talk about like what can they do as far as like they might not have the resources, they might not have the ability um, to bring in, you know, um, medical personnel and all that kind of stuff. Like what, what is loving for hmm. those types of churches to do? 
Hmm. I mean, um, I just think about social distancing and intentionally saying, hey, I'm going to make sure that we have um, this distance between each other. And that's how I'm going to show love to you in this. Um, Like, um, I mean, I don't have any answers. Uh, This is all just spitballing. (laughs) But at least for me, um, I think about how I I was set on a rather ridiculous errand yesterday to go to Guitar Center to buy a cable. But while I was there, um, literally everyone was so good at staying like at least six feet apart from each other. Like I set down the cable on the counter. Mm The guy that was in front was like, okay, step back. And I kept stepping back. He's like, step back even further. Went back even further. Mm. He rung it up. And he's like, okay, come forward to swipe your card. And he walked away. I went and swiped my card. But in that, just kind of getting to respect those boundaries and respect, hey, we're all going through something right now, but we're all going to work together. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if that just means now I'm just not going to leave my house for days on end. um, (laughs) I think that that counts as loving your neighbor. And I think... um, I think the reason why people struggle with that is the programming yeah. um, and, and is like people seeing church as almost like a shared experience, like a concert, mm. as though church is something that we all go to concern, go to uh, consume instead of something that we are all claiming to be a part of as this right. greater group, as this one holy Catholic and uh, apostolic church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to, had to shout out to my homies. Shout, hey. shout out to my papists. Hey. Yeah. Speaking shout out to Italy. Of, speaking of those homies, um, Megan, I would love to hear what you think, like as somebody who has been pursuing a medical degree, mm-hmm. um, I would love to hear first what you have to say about... Um, that just in the scientific aspect, but also as someone who grew up in a high church society that me and Tom didn't grow up in. Right. Um, how, which Tom, you do have a lot of, of Catholic Catholicism in your family, but, um, uh, yes, the Italian alcoholics, I call my family. I love them so much. <laughs> they are wonderful people. <laughs> they are. Um, shout out to your dad who I know will be listening to this. Shout out Chris. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Chris. But um, Megan, I would love to hear first, like from the scientific san- standpoint, mm-hmm. what um, you and the medical community like have to say about it, and then also like expound upon what that means for big groups of people—not just the Catholic Church, obviously, but churches in general and like meetings in general. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we blend those two things together? Because we have a very, very bad habit of not letting those two things coexist. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's always been something that's kind of difficult for me, especially as I've gotten deeper into my career, um, because I know that science and religion don't always coexist very well. Uh, And I was talking to Tom about this the Mm -hmm. other day, but it's interesting because I think people just want something to make them believe everything's going to be okay, which is the most Mm -hmm. relatable thing you could imagine. Um, But on the other side of it, there's a lot of people saying, don't worry about it, we're gathering to pray, so... God's going to protect us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's obviously not uh, not really how it works um, and not very helpful. Um, but also, so I just started staying home from work like three days ago. And I was kind of frustrated because my boss just hadn't said anything to us about it all through last week. Um, and I think like even in the scientific community, right, there can be Certain, a certain degree of, of denial, maybe because you know how bad it 
is and how bad it right. could be. Um, and I think some people were just going about their business because they didn't want to admit that this was happening. Um, so we, my lab, the rest of us kind of had to step forward and say something and get him to take it more seriously. Um, right. Yeah, uh, I want to be able to say something that's more comforting, but I'm pretty nervous about the entire situation. Yeah. And I think that mm. um, at least we're lucky that we're in an age where we have all of this technology and can have some sense of community, right? Because if we were just locked mm -hmm. in our houses without internet and cell phones and FaceTime and we couldn't see anyone that we care about or feel any sense of solidarity, I think that would be really, really difficult. Um, and something that, something nice that has come out of this is even though we have like guitar, freaking guitar center yeah. staying open when they obviously shouldn't be like yeah. the, the sort of humanness of you guys trying to protect each other in the midst of that situation and like seeing all of us coming together, even if these institutions aren't fighting for, for us. Yeah. Like, I think that's just a really great example of yeah. how we need to treat each other and what we should be doing. And yeah. I, I mean, I hope it's going to be enough. I think that that has been something that's very inspiring in the midst yeah. of mm -hmm. a really, really tough situation. But yeah. I think the next and few months are going to be rough. Yeah. And that, you know, just the, the perspective that you've got, I'm sure, like Tom was telling me the other day, you know, um, just <laughs> the worry that you've had for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know... I've I've been you know blessed also with with a, a wife who has really given me the grace to to stay out of work even though my job has been um, they're still going yeah. And, you know, yeah shout out to Mayor Linda you need to shut us down please but um, <laughs> anyway but you know and I thought something that you said was really was really intriguing and I think we can we can go off of this but saying even in the midst of you know a place not shutting down for the need of safety, but still going into that place and practicing just a little bit of the safety that we can control mm -hmm. is such a huge picture of what our faith is. Mm -hmm. Like we're in Ooh, this massive, I like that. we're in this massive world of chaos and that, you know, mm -hmm. is that's being reconciled to God and being redeemed. But even in the same sense, like there's still, evil there's still an enemy there's still this this thing that's happening and we're not safe all the time um but we are as I, I was listening to a beautiful podcast um by jonathan martin he does a the zeitcast um or the zeit yeah the zeitcast and um he had brad jerzak on there talking about like the cross when jesus died like when they, we talk about the cross it doesn't just mean the point of jesus's death but it talks about his birth his life his death, his resurrection, all of it is encompassed, um, that when that happened, the enemy was defeated, but what wasn't is still our existing in this world that can be really screwed up. Um, and so us as people of God and us as people of this faith, where we're supposed to be that haven of solidarity, like you were talking about, um, when we can coexist in this messed up world it's almost like we're and you know our calvinist friends would say that we're all sick and we're all in a pandemic of sin and we're all, <laughs> you know um so just you all see the tracts the uh, covid19 themed gospel tracts i can't even imagine just just look it up it's on the ifb preachers i, I don't want to oh it'll ruin your day it's absolutely breathtaking 
In my Which scientific brings... opinion, this is a plague, and we are being punished, and there's <laughs> yeah. nothing else to it. <laughs> for the record, for we the do record. not, we do not say, we do not believe that God sends plagues. But anyway, um, no, but um, that also brings us to the title of this podcast, which is. Is Fundy the new Fugly? <laughs> it's such a good title. It's so good. <laughs> so um, anyway, you know, and I don't even know if I was asking a question. I was just kind of trying to make the point that, like, you know, us as the church and loving people, there is solidarity in keeping each other safe. Right. There is solidarity in saying, like, yeah, we're all in this together. It sucks. We don't have the answers for this. But we do have a way of living that's going to say, I put myself above you. Our church, or I put myself below you. I put myself, I put you above me in the sense that my church is not going to meet for the safety. For the safety and the sake of other people and not spreading this disease. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I was reading a bunch of, um, I think it was Martin Luther quotes where he, it was during the plague. And he was like, you should not be around people. <laughs> like, right. you should not be around people during this. And um, if he is, you know, for me and Tom, like the father of Protestantism and Protestantism. Martin Luther. <laughs> yeah. We, there, there are a lot of things that we do not like about Martin Luther. <laughs> but there are certainly a lot of things that, you know, he was right about. He is our um, spiritual daddy. God, <laughs> Megan, he's my spiritual daddy. Mine's Jesus. I, so. oh. <laughs> I, I gotta go take a lap now. <laughs> Praise break. Um, Shabba. No, Shabba. Shabba. But in in conclusion to all of that, and me just rambling about that, like there there I has to it. be there there has got to be a sense of more power than we're giving people like we're not giving people enough we're not having enough faith in people to make good decisions Hmm. but we're cut we're claiming that not making those decisions is un is faithful and not making those decisions is the godly thing to do Hmm. because somehow being in close proximity to someone is the only way that you can be effective as the church uh, I, th- I think, and honestly, this this definitely comes down to me being something of a cynic as well. Believe it or not, deep down, I don't show it. But I mean, um, people are going to get used to that when they listen to this podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I think a lot of churches aren't closing down because they know they'll get more offering. They'll get more money in the offering plate. Mm. They um, know that if people are there and they can convince people to give them money, then they'll they'll make more. And yeah. um, Statistically about, speaking, that's true. They're worried about people being there, and they know if they don't don't have butts and seats, they might not have people who are giving them money. And um, right. I, I and I, I guess I see that, and I see um, that cynical side mixed with like an almost just incredibly naive idea that like if we meet, God told us to meet, so if we meet, everything's going to be great. It reminds me of the Children's Crusade, one of my uh, favorite historical stories um, Mm -hmm. where it was um, a few crusades in and clearly they were not going very well. So this is, yeah, I told you about this, Megan. It's my favorite thing. Give it a Google. But essentially a bunch of kids uh, all decided, Hey, 
we are going to go and win the Holy Land back for the Lord. So they packed up all their stuff and um, they decided we're all going to make a journey um, to the Holy Land and win it back, which was a, just like they, they read in the Bible, hey, God will protect us. We are his people. We are his children. Jesus loves the little children of the world. This is going to go great. But they didn't even make it to the Holy Land. They're just a bunch of dumb kids and they died on their way. And it was really tragic because like a bunch of kids did this and local churches and um, parents were just like, oh, wow, look at them. They're just soldiers of God. And it was like this belief that didn't take into, didn't take logic, didn't take critical thinking into account Mm -hmm. or even just like common sense into account that ended up killing a bunch of people. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I think that's an, that's just one story that I think proves that like a pure heart is great, but it's not enough to lead you all the way there. And And we, and we need people who, I mean, we need medical professionals. We need people who can advise us so we can all make the right decisions and not end up doing things that could hurt people. Right. And we literally just experienced this with John Chow, the guy who went to India. Yes, um, yes. And was like, Did you know the story, gonna, Megan? Um, I don't think so. Go for it, So Derek. basically, this guy, um, he was 26 years old. I'm, I'm, you reminded me of it, so I'm reading it about it right here. Um, he was a 26-year-old. He was a blogger, and he was killed by this isolated tribe in <gasps> India. Oh, I that did hear no one, this. Literally no one is allowed to go yeah. near them. Like, yeah. it, is a, it is a crime. In mm-hmm. India to go anywhere near these people, and so um, and I think I, that might not be true. I just rem- I thought I remembered hearing that, but I'm oh I it's it, it is it's, you're it's, definitely it's, not allowed yeah, to yeah it's yeah. illegal to go okay to it's, them. yeah right so it's illegal and he basically just jumped the fence, took a boat out, and was claiming like God will protect me like God is going to allow me to save these people. Oh honey, no. Like, oh, honey, like, you know, but so many, there's so many issues with that. I don't even know where to start. We we can just stack them on top of each other. And the dude's dad came out and said, like, he's blaming extreme Christianity, which extreme in that sense is like, I can literally do anything and I can literally go anywhere and be a part of anything because God is for me. Who can be against me? Uh, Like, I'm safe from harm, which, you know, like there are certainly stories that have happened that, you know, people have gone and done incredible things and the Lord has blessed it. But, like, you can't ignore, like, that, you know, and it just depends on your theology of of whatever it is. Like, just for the sake of language and telling what this example is, I'm not saying that this is what I believe, but, like, for someone to go and try to do the will of God, but then a very real evil thing happens we have this tendency to either attribute that awful thing to God and say, well, I guess it wasn't God's will that he did this. Or we can look at it from that critical thinking and from that, like, Proverbs 1, which I'll read in a minute, because that's what I've been sitting on for the past, you know, month as all of this has been happening. Like, we can look at it and say there's a wisdom and there is a common sense that was not followed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that we look at the the Indian government said, don't go there. And we have this dude who's like, nothing can touch me. I am God's. 
and he goes, and exactly what everyone said was going to happen happened. Yeah. And just and the just, lack of cultural awareness and understanding right. is yeah. a huge problem. Yeah, and you think about right. how just how, like, um, we can be so colonial in our yes. faith. And yep. uh, it's very colonial when it comes to missions. And I think Megan has a really unique experience with that because uh, she went to a Jesuit school. Mm. And um, you can Please take it away from here. Yeah, so the Jesuits are just a sect of Catholics, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, but a lot of their, they put a lot of emphasis on service and solidarity with others. Um, so I went on this trip my sophomore year. It was a service learning trip to Peru um, that my mom actually helps to lead. We love that. Yeah. We love um, but so we had a lot of discussions about this, like leading up to the trip and even during the trip, because we were going to these uh, schools when we were there to just volunteer for a few days. We mm-hmm. we were doing some English-Spanish stuff with the kids and playing games with them and um, all of that. But we took like college students from our kind of brother school university in Peru. We took um, mm-hmm. some of the Peruvian students came with us. And a lot of the idea was like, you're not coming in here to teach them about your religion and convert them. You're not coming in here to fix everything magically. Like you're just coming in here to connect with them as equals, as human beings. Wow. And um, and like we became really good friends with the students we were with. I still talked to some of them. Um, and they asked, my, like just one of the most powerful moments for us was um, one of the Peruvian students was, was asking if they could come here and do service with us here in the States, which was like mm. exactly the attitude we wanted to have because there are things you need to fix everywhere. and. Yeah. It's not about like going to a country that you think is worse than yours or less enlightened than yours or whatever yeah. and just fixing things because you know better. It's just about like right. being, I don't know, doing things with love and being a good person and and kind of crossing these cultural barriers to connect with someone else who has a very different and completely valid experience from yours. Yeah, that is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's exactly like what it's supposed to be. And um, I was really, really um, drawn in by a lot of what uh, I've been trying to read lately just with with a lot of the early church fathers and really trying to get into like what the people who literally lived back to back with Jesus thought. And one of the big things that they believed was in that omnipresence of God, which is God is literally everywhere. And you can look, you can be in this you know, constantly gross, awful place and still find God in something. Like God is somewhere there, even if it's just he's in you. Like he's literally walking everywhere because people are walking everywhere. Um, And so that's really cool to, to, to look at it from that standpoint about what you were saying, like walking into a different culture and, and stepping over kind of those, not even stepping over the boundaries, but stopping at those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and seeing that this completely other than you life is being lived mm-hmm. and um, to respect that and right. to say like, your experience is no better than mine. I just have something to offer you, which is God's love. And even like the reciprocal piece of that, right. which is, they have a piece of God in them that they can give to you. And there's just a, a huge disconnect that we have here in America, which is that, that binary mindset of like, if you're not fundamental in your belief yeah. system, mm-hmm. then you have no God in you. Or if you yeah. 
you know, vote for a politician that thinks that Planned Parenthood should stay open. <laughs> you have none of God in you. Yeah. Like, right. there's just this, It and honestly, I'm going to call it for what it is. Like, it's a stupidity. It's a stupidity and it's a non-belief in the God that is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you know, we get we get that from our evangelical language of like, you know, you're either saved or you're not. And while yeah. there's, you know, the validity of salvation and everything like that, like the way that I know me and you specifically, Tom, have, have talked about and really gathered is like this colonial version of the gospel that we've been fed since day one. Yeah is not at all what even the early church thought. Yeah, I think you know? uh, I really love the way Rob Bell puts it that um, oh, it, yeah, I'm, we, I'm just lo- we just I'm, lost listeners, man. We, we, we I, just I, lost some listeners. I don't care. Uh, but <laughs> he says about the gospel, if it's not go- good news for everyone, then it's got not good news. You know, right. Um, yep. Like if we if we're exactly uh, right. we talk about spreading the gospel and we're saying something that excludes someone, then it's not good news for them. Yeah, you know. Um, and there's something that I think is both dangerously simplistic about that, but I kind of want to lean in and press into that simplicity. Yeah, that, the, yeah. So yeah. that's it. <laughs> that's my no, thoughts. that and that's exactly right. Like, um, there's just and you know we. <laughs> I talk a lot about 180 theology with you. Um, yeah. Like if we don't like something theologically, we're just going to go to the complete opposite of it. Um, <laughs> of course. And you see that, hey, the Protestant Reformation. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just talking about like. The, the Reformation diff- was a mistake. Pass it on. <laughs> Ooh, rt um, <laughs> No, like. <laughs> You know, even in that, you know, there are some things that that we do need to kill in our theology. Yeah. Like, um, there are a lot of people who are saying that, um, and I heard this from Brad Jerzak again, who I, who I listen to a lot on um, Jonathan through Jonathan Martin. He has said that there are a lot of people who say that there is a God is love heresy going on, which is basically yeah. the God is love period people, which is probably who we would be. That, that somehow that we were just called out right there. <laughs> that somehow we are heretics for not thinking that God is somehow more than that. What? Like we we are called heretics because we say God is love, period, but we mean that God's justice, his mercy, his judgment, his goodness, his everything flows out of love. Whereas these people would say that we have to like disconnect love from judgment. Or we have to disconnect, like, the beauty of God from the wrath of God. And, like, all of this stuff where the language that they use is, it diverges from this aspect of, like, God cannot not be who he is. Yeah, but man. But he can it's be, like, he I feel can like only... you, need to, you need to jump through so many hoops. I mean, I think, right. do you, which, which one would you rather survive? Um, the image of a loving God or fundamentalism? And right. and I'll pick a God who legitimately is love over one that we have to literally change our definition of love for right. God to still be love, and that ends up just breeding terrible, terrible people out of this. Yeah. Like yeah. Just, you know, just like some <laughs> people you do not want to hang out with right. end up believing this because that way you can be a loving parent and just be just crappy to your kids. Yeah. Uh, you can you can 
twist and turn the way love is used because it's like, hey, God is loving and he sent a plague on his children. So clearly, if I'm just a terror to my kids, I can still be a loving parent. We, I mean, you yeah. just see that, um, that just twisted and twisted and twisted. And mm-hmm. soon uh, the religion that believes that God is love ends up being not loving at all. Right. And and I think by just kind of stepping back and saying God is love and and if it's not loving, then it's not of God. I think that even though that can sound so simplistic, I think that's the point. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, and because there is also that complex, like, you know, what just because I spent so many years in that, that yeah. atmosphere, like they'll turn it around and they'll say, well, we can't define love like the bible has to define love and it says that god punishes his children and god does all these things like that um you know he he has to chastise in order to love us and all this other stuff that's what they're teaching and so, you guys <laughs> that, yep. that's hebrews girl girl that's hebrews that's straight up hebrews oh like it says god. that those whom god loves he chastises i don't want oh and so god. tom and all oh. <laughs> I am as thirsty. ASMR of bubbly, but no, but seriously, like we, how do we reconcile this God who we see his actions in scripture, but the people who we're kind of talking to like this fundamentalist group, they only see God's actions as loving, but not God is loving. I mean, I have, I have a hot take for you already. (laughs) I think, um, This is going to sound really mean, but here we go. I think that a lot of Old Testament writers had a view of God being the ultimate cause for everything. If something happened, somehow God did it. Mm -hmm. And that's how they write, um, because that's how they saw God being powerful. Right. So I think if you had Old Testament writers looking at what's happening today, they'd be like, God sent them a plague because they weren't faithful. Mm -hmm. And we have people who talk like that now. I mean, there are people like that before and there are people like that now. However, um, I just believe there's, that's just no way to be as a person mm-hmm. um, and to believe that um, this, this deity is vindictive and controlling us and is way worse than a person. Like, yeah. um, I think about the Karl Barth quote that like, it's our job to assume that God is even better than we think he is. Mm-hmm. And um, if he is truly the superlative good, then of course he didn't send a plague. Of course he right. didn't do X, Y, Z. Of course... Because uh, a truly, truly good God wouldn't do that. And I know that you can take that fundamentalist logic, hey, we can't even define good because we are such dirty, ragged, evil people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just get to this place of ridiculousness where we can no longer do anything at all. Right. And we are no longer able to be functional beings. And that's clearly not what God wanted. And that's not how, I mean, that, that's how many different entire sects of Christianity are set up. Right. But that's... That just doesn't seem to gel with the through line of the Bible itself, which is empowering humanity to be only a little lesser than the divine, to be right. filled with the divine, uh, and to carry around the image of God with us. And I think that empowerment uh, shows that that incredibly fundamentalist way to look at the world was not only not God's intention, but just no way for the human to live. Right. And I, yeah. And, you know, I've, I've chalked it all down and, you know, I might be naive in this, but, um, I've chalked it down to the way that 
we have talked about it and the way that Paul wrote, the way that all of them wrote, it was just a language by which to understand what the heck was happening. Yeah. And like what the heck they believed. And so when Paul is talking to um, the Ephesians who, you know, in the first chapter, he's talking about like, you were chosen before the foundations of the world. You were like God knew from even before time began who would be saved and who would be whatever and like Calvinists and you know the reformists would take that and say oh that means that God predestines you know people to go to heaven people to go to hell this is good this is whatever this is loving when in reality like if you look at the background of Ephesians they were Paul was talking to a group of people who were supposed to be like they were just soldiers they were grunts they Hmm. were people who were just used for war and um, shout out to Dr. Hull at Asbury yeah. who talked about this. Like, <laughs> they needed someone to tell them that they were special, essentially. <laughs> and like, I know that we're gonna get a bunch of those fundamentalists who just think like, oh, if you just want to feel special, then you don't really know the gospel. You need to be blah blah blah. Like, you shouldn't feel good when you go to church and like all this <laughs> other stuff. That's like, horrible. It has to hurt. It, but like that's the abusive God that we were handed. Yeah, wow. you know that's the God that you know. In order to worship Him, you have to feel sucky enough about yourself to see how good He is, rather than looking at what Paul later talks about and says, like the goodness of God is what captivates us. Like we look at nature and we have no excuse to not see that there is a good. God and like in Ephesians, later yeah. in Ephesians, he talks about the church, the church's job, and this is gonna hopefully bring this full circle. Like the ch- the church of God, us as the people of God, the our purpose is to show the manifold wisdom of God. And when you look at the original Greek, there the word manifold means colors, the bright colors hmm. of the wisdom of God. And so hmm. it like, I like that basically just this giant picture of a beautiful loving good god that is who the church is supposed to to look at that wisdom that we were talking about that experience met with knowledge like that experience that we have experienced a plague before how do you pass on a plague you get around people hey there's wisdom in not meeting at church yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know simple as that but then at the same time like the church is supposed to bring about this manifold, colorful God to show, hey, there's different ways of being the church than sitting in your pew and hearing some guy spout off a bunch of stuff that you yourself should be experiencing because you love God. Hearing some sweaty guy talk about something. (laughs) Yeah, the point is how you're living that out, not just going and sitting there and pretending that Right. You're perfect. And so, yeah, the whole point of evangelicalism is that living out your faith everywhere. And yeah. it's like this the most evangelical thing to do in the situation is just stay home. Because <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is if this if this is your faith, if your faith is compelling you to treat people well, then I mean, that just seems to be the obvious thing to do. I mean, I, I another hot take. I think one of the reasons that some evangelicals aren't taking this seriously is because of the politics that especially surrounded the beginning of it. Oh, yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. like even my dad uh, at the beginning, even a few days ago, he was telling me, it's like, everything's so politicized. Just don't listen to all all the politics of it. It's like, this is only politicized because some people have made it a political issue. This is not, 
supposed to be a political issue. And I right. think that's that's another episode of just talking about, and I think we should research the history of just the um, like Protestant Christianity and uh, right-wing politics. I would love to right. just oh, kind of, uh, yeah, I'd love I'll to exp- explore that, explore the uh, the history there. Cause like- That'll be our next, that'll be our next podcast. One really, um, I, of course, this is just mentioning the Liturgist podcast. I like them. Um, they were they were discussing how um, oh evangelicalism was so uh, attractive to people who are moving to America was because okay we'll all start going to this church and we'll all be the same it'll be something that we can all bond over mm. and it just kind of started to solidify evangelical Christianity as part of this more old fashioned singular uh, cult not multicultural just singular cultural American ideal so. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's something to, to unpack, but yeah, I mean, I think about, I, I think that with any critical thinking uh, and with any just looking at the facts, the most loving thing to do right now is to be the church, and to be the church kind of means staying inside and maybe texting each other about God or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, here, this is my take. Yeah. What you got, Megan? I was just gonna say I was yeah, thinking right. about my philosophy class that I had um, in undergrad, and I. Have references to you, but I cannot remember who said it. Um, but one of them said that one of those guys, one of those guys, one of those old white guys. Um, one of them said that like the only truly morally good choice you can make is doing something good that doesn't make you feel good. And I think this is one of those moments where like it's mm. it's more enjoyable to go be in our communities and to think that there's just an easy answer to think that going to church is going to fix everything and that you'll be safe. Like. That just feels better than mm. not not getting to have that, and like it's. I mean, it's it's gonna be hard for everyone, but like you kind of have to look it in the face and acknowledge the reality yeah. of it, and yeah. and realize that the true the truly selfless thing to do, the truly loving thing to do, is to just kind of feel miserable about it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, right? <laughs> and no, like, like and you- like you can stay in your bubble, but it's it's not helping anyone at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. You're completely right in that. And, you know, it, I just want to, I want to read Proverbs one really quick because it it was what really like, as I was trying to, all right, fine, Megan. She's she's just leaving. I'm going to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) We we can, we can can pause real quick. We can, um, while, uh, while she's in the bathroom, um, I'm going to be giving you um, an ASMR uh, eyebrow massage. And I will gently approach you and uh, put both my my thumbs, one on each eyebrow, and begin uh, to massage your eyebrows. (laughs) Massaging your eye... Massaging your eyebrows. God. (laughs) How far... (laughs) What what kind of timing are we at? Um, let's see. After after she comes back here, uh, we'll be at right about forty five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll good. read I'll read Proverbs one, and then we can kind of just we can finish it up. Yeah, finish it up, and then yeah, I think that'll yeah. be all right. We we can riff a little bit, you know. Yeah. Do this thing. Do that thing. Hey hey. Heck, we could do our second podcast. <laughs> We wanted to. Hello. Let's see. Uh, I'd, I'd honestly rather do some more uh, research first before that because I think that deserves okay. cool. uh, 
our, our second podcast on the religious right. I would love Yeah, I, I think we should do some, yeah. some research for that. That could be a lot yes. of fun. Good right. stuff. And recording again. So um, I'm just going to read Proverbs 1 really quick. Um, because the other day, um, as I was just trying to figure all of this crap out, um, I just remembered that, you know, the Lord just took me back to this verse because it had been used um, as kind of a awful thing to me um, there for a while because it was like, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, you know, people mm-hmm. use that to say, like, you have to fear God, this healthy fear of a God who could literally flick you, crush you, burn you, do all these awful things to you. Sounds hot. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, honestly, like, a God who could literally kill you, send you to hell, as long as you have wisdom to do the things that you're supposed to do, he won't do that. Um, But then as I read it again, I was like, that is not at all what this is saying. Um, Hmm. So I'm just going to read Proverbs 1, and and it says... To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. We'll talk about justice in another uh, podcast. But um, to much give, to be said there. Much to be said about that. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. To fear the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I was always told that that meant if you don't listen to your elder pastor, if you don't listen to your elder pastor, or you don't listen to the people who know more than you, like, about spiritual things. Yeah. And you don't listen to every person who carries God in their mouth, especially if they're fundamental about it, then somehow you don't fear the Lord correctly. Or you don't act accordingly. But in reality, like, what it's talking about is this state of humanity that chooses to remain ignorant. Mm -hmm. Hmm. This... That's really, really profound. Yeah. Like, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive. How many times have we heard people say, in naivety, this thing isn't a big deal? Yeah. Yeah. Way like, too many times. Yeah, and like then all the a, time. All the time. And a wise man will hear and increase in learning. A wise man will listen. Or woman. A or woman, yes. For the sake of, for the sake of gender equality, whenever the Bible says man, it does mean all of humanity. Yes. But, um, and even in the second part of uh, this proverb, it says, "Do not forsake your mother's teaching." Hello. But um, ladies, 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 <laughs> ladies. That's for you, ladies. But, We're the ones who know what's going on. To finally, like, bring it. <laughs> to this part that talks about the fear of the Lord. Like, um, I'm going to go to this in what is called Blue Letter Bible. It has helped me a lot. Um, But it basically looks 
it looks at it's, an app. it's a good uh, app. Yeah. It tells it can show you the original language. Um and it tells you basically what that meant. Um and this word fear, while it does mean like terror or a terrifying thing, the main use of it in this is respect and reverence. And um it basically just means awesome, like the awesomeness of the Lord. Um, so the fear of the Lord, the awesomeness of the Lord, or the um, whatever, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The awesomeness of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like To look at it in that light is to say, you are more faithful to be practicing wise and common sense decisions than you are to completely go off the rails and not listen to anybody and think I'm faithful for putting myself in danger so that God can be somehow mightier. That's just foolishness. It is. It's, it's foolishness. And you know, and people will take that and say, Oh, well the fools will confound the wise and all this other stuff. And it's just like, no, that's not what that means either. Like, yeah, what it, what all of this is really boiling down to is like, God made you damn common sense. Now use it. There it is. There it is. There it is right there. Fundy is indeed the new Fugly. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that's really it. I hate ending it on that note because I'm I love literally that an idiot. But I think that was delightful. Um, that was a delightful note to end it on. It was. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, any more from you guys before we I'm move good. on to... I'm good to roll the outro. Um, wash your hands. Yes. Stay wash home. your hands. Listen to scientists. We are not out to get you. We're trying to save your lives. Oof. Amen. 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 So, um, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Tom and Megan, for being with us and being with me and being my friends. <laughs> and, um, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. And we hope that this, if it helped, awesome. If it was just fun, great. If you hated it, we'll get better at it. It's our first one. Send us so, hate. Send us hate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> send us hate mail. It's fine. If I'm so, going to get some hate tweets at Tom underscore Mangione in the next week, I'm going to be upset. And <laughs> if I don't get anything at the Dare Bear 13. The Dare Look, Bear. I need to plug mine at Mega underscore TRO underscore N Megatron. There you Hit go. If we, <laughs> If I don't get any retweets about this, it's fine. It's whatever. Is it really fine? We're trying to start Twitter fights, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> also, Megan and I uh, will be recording our first ever podcast as well. Uh, there you Megan, go. Megan, would yes. you like to say uh, what our name is going to be? Smooth Brain No Sad. Yes, that is, hey. our, that is our podcast name. Smooth Brain Podcast was already taken. Screw you, <laughs> Smooth Brain Podcast. All right, <laughs> so we will... Plug those into the description. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. You'll be able to access that. And so thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see you later. Bye.